Uncommon Commons is a horror anthology podcast written by George Plank and Alex Vitale. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. Today's story is Last Job, written by Alex Vitale. he looked at the door, all that was hanging there was a hook. Ah! Mandor hook hand car door! Aw, yeah, you got it, buddy. <laughs> it's a good thing that cars aren't real. In this void, they might as well not be. That reminds me. Did you pack for our camping trip? I already set up a tent in the void. It might take us a while to get there since there's no logical passage of time or space out there, but just picture the lack of foliage. I'm actually more into glamping. Well, I mean, we can take the chandelier if you're that attached to it. Really? Thanks. Cool. I'm gonna go grab some sleeping bags. I'll meet you back down by the common room fire in, oh, between 8 and 15 minutes. Okay. Uh, John? John, there are words coming out of the smoke again. No thanks. I already packed my toothbrush. The cold was bitter in early October. The sky overhead loomed in ominous gray. The clouds hung thick and low, threatening the first snowfall of the year. Our tents were pitched in a circle around a struggling fire. Those who weren't too cold to move huddled together for warmth, and the measly meal barely sizzling over the fire didn't do much to lift them. We'd lost a number of cattle that day. What was worse, we'd lost one of our men. Harvey Sorrel had lost her footing at the side of a ravine, about fifty feet deep. None of us stuck around to see if there was any movement, but the pained moaning from down below told us all we needed to know. Out this far, there was no hope of getting him to a doctor. Even if we could, there wasn't much a doctor could do except maybe call in a priest. Harvey was a chilling reminder of what could happen out here, and it could happen to any of us. I'd seen more men that I'd like to think about fall prey to some nasty end or another. More often than not, it was at the hands of our own kind. I think I'd rather take on Mother Nature than come between another man and his pay. Yet somehow, I didn't envy Harvey at that moment, alone at the bottom of the ravine. I especially didn't envy him if he were still alive. Taking these jobs, the last of the herding before real winter set in, was a last resort. They were vicious, full of dangers far beyond the usual ones, and you'd be lucky to have all your fingers and toes by the end of them. Hell had lost my right ring finger to the frost last go-around. Missy said I was lucky it wasn't my left, and I suppose she had a point. At least that finger's got something around it that reminds me of why I take these jobs in the first place. Why I'm still around at all. The wind had started to pick up, and all of us inched closer to the sputtering fire. Someone, maybe Lee, remarked that we'd freeze to death at this rate. I think he meant it as a joke, but no one laughed. It got real quiet after that, nothing but the wind and the occasional distant howl of coyotes. It was then, as I was sitting there with my gloved hands over the flames, I began to get the prickling feeling at the back of my neck, the kind you get when someone is watching you. I cast my eyes around our ragtag little circle, but everyone seemed only concerned with himself or his food. Not one man spared me a passing glance. I shot a look over my shoulder to the brush behind us. It was still but for the rustling of the wind. Nothing was out of the ordinary, so I went back to shoveling my quickly cooling food into my mouth. Once my bowl was empty, I dropped it aside and put my focus on my gun. It hadn't seen much use this trip, but it could have used a good cleaning all the same. A while passed, and I busied myself with trying to clean my gun with what little I had. As I attempted to ease a small amount of bear grease into the cylinder, a strange silence settled over the camp. It resembled the quiet that settles over a town after snowfall. Neither the wind nor the coyotes howled, even chatter among the men tapered off. The only thing to be heard was a weak crackling of the fire and my own heavy breathing. 
No one spoke, nor did they seem to notice the sudden silence. Uneasiness settled heavy in the pit of my stomach. I did my best to tamp it down, going in and focusing on my handiwork. The quiet was deafening. My blood pumped in my ears, and every jostle of my gun was maddeningly loud against the dead air. Hours seemed to ooze by in that echoing silence. Not one other man took notice. Not even Lee, who always found it necessary to fill the void of silence. Some part of me wondered if I'd somehow gone deaf. But that couldn't have been right. I could still hear myself breathe. You don't realize how loud the world is until all those sounds aren't there anymore. It was as if someone had cast a blanket over all the world, snuffing out what background noise there was. Then, just as quickly as the silence had fallen, it was broken. From behind in the brush came a familiar sound. A weak cry of help called softly into the noiseless night. I perked immediately, dropping my pistol at my feet. I knew that call. It was the same one we'd heard rising up from the ravine just a few hours ago. It was Harvey. I listened harder, but the voice didn't sound again. A quick scan of the camp proved what I already thought. No one else had heard it. Wishful thinking on my part, I suppose. Harvey had survived the fall, but he couldn't have made it out. The wind picked up again carrying off the echo of the imagined bellow. The spell had been broken, and the world came to life once more. I took my gun from off the ground, picking up where I'd left off. Putting in maybe a little more force than I needed to, I focused in on digging powder out from the barrel. My mind wandered back to the edge of that gorge, the desperate scrambling of the horse's hooves, the look of sheer terror on Harvey's face just before they slipped. I could have reached for them, any of us could have, but it would have been fruitless. All that would happen is I'd have gone down with him, left Missy a widow. All the men knew it, and I'd put money on it that all of them were thinking the same thing I was. We could have tried to save him, and maybe there would have been a miracle. We could have tried to save him, but a miracle wouldn't have happened. So Harvey went down alone, and Harvey was still down there. Alone. Another half hour or so passed, and it took me too long to realize that the world had fallen silent again, in my own head as I was. The hairs on the back of my neck rose, the prickling sensation of eyes on me once again, from the silent brush came that same, too-familiar voice. Help! Again, I looked at my compatriots, but no one seemed to notice. Lee looked up from his food and met my eye. He said nothing, but his question was as clear as day. The narrowed eyes said it all. You're not cracking up on us, are you, Oswald? Ducking my head, I went back to my gun. Help! This time, the voice was much closer, and unmistakably Harvey's. I shot up from where I sat and stowed my gun. That was Harvey, and not just hysteria setting in. He was in good enough shape to find us out here, and bad enough shape to need help. If it wasn't him, the men could write me off as a lunatic and put me out of my misery, for all I cared. Though if anyone noticed me take leave from the camp, they didn't care. I took off towards the brush in the direction Harvey had called from. The heavy silence still draped over the wilderness, broken only by my footfalls on the frozen ground, and even those seemed muffled compared to the clear cry for assistance. I dove deeper and deeper into the sagebrush, following each cry as they sounded without much care for the direction I was headed. He called twice more in that same pitiful tone. All the while, I was getting closer and closer. Harv? You out there? My voice rang out too loud in my own ears. There was a pregnant pause, and then from a few yards away, Help! The voice rose from a thicket to my right, clear as crystal. Harvey's voice came out as strained as a cry from a wounded animal. I made for the bramble, parting it aside to reveal Harvey crawling through it. He lay belly down on the cold, hard ground, dragging himself forward with bloodied hands and broken fingernails. His body was broken and twisted at odd angles, angles that no man's body could possibly sustain. 
His legs were bent at the calf, bone pressing up against the skin and bulging against Harvey's torn pant leg. Bruises, scrapes, and cuts oozed a blotchy trail of blood behind him. Though the night was dark and the moonlight faint, I could see the outline of his skull against the ground, concave and cracked in on one side. It twisted his mouth to the left, at a sharp curve, drooling out pathetic moans of pain as he tried to drag himself inch by inch. When he saw my outline before him, Harvey stopped and slowed. His face turned up to look at me. It wasn't Harvey. It wore his clothes, shared his hair color, his build, his voice, but what looked at me through sunken eyes and warped face was not Harvey. Its features shifted before me, never settling on one face as a thousand wormed through its skin. Black eyes gazed wildly up at me from sockets that pulsated. A thick string of drool hung from its lopsided mouth as it reached a mangled hand towards me. Blood-caked lips curled into a smile that showed too many teeth, long, long tongue darting out to lick at scabs. Help! Harvey's pained voice came out from its mouth, a mouth that shouldn't have been able to speak at all. I blanched, hand reaching for my holster. I fumbled with leather, backing away as this crawling, grotesque thing dragged itself ever closer. Help! 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 It cried through a sloppy grin. His voice never changed. At last, I freed my pistol and aimed it at the thing. It twitched and spasmed on the ground, staring up with wet, shining eyes. The barrel aimed squarely at its forehead. I pulled the trigger. Nothing happened. My bullets, all my supplies, were left in camp. I'd stowed my gun when I'd followed Harvey's voice, but its chamber was vacant. The thing on the ground wheezed through Harvey's lungs. A laugh. The gun might have been empty, but it was far from useless. I turned it around, grabbing it by the barrel, and swung as hard as I could towards the thing's head. It met with a squelch on already sunken skull. The thing didn't flinch. It swiped a broken hand towards my wrist. I staggered back, making to bolt. Help! God, help! It was my turn to scream for my life. As I turned on heel to run, the thing began to sputter. It hacked and coughed and twitched on the ground. For one terrible moment, I froze in fear, watching as this misshapen abomination spasmed violently on the ground. Then, slowly, it rose on shaking limbs too long and spindly to be human. Its spine bent sharply as it stood hunched on all fours. Off the ground, I could see its broken neck lolling down. Harvey's head craned downwards, gazing at me upside down. Its lips grinned painfully into the soft flesh of its cheeks. Standing, if you could call it that, the thing came up past my chest. Harvey's lanky, warped body lurched forward. It looked into my eyes, and its features began to shift more manically, flashing a thousand alien expressions across its face. They contorted, bubbling into an exaggerated feature, until they finally settled. This new face that stared back to me was familiar, too. I'd seen it plenty of times, whenever I glanced in a mirror. I turned and broke into a dead sprint, gun clasped uselessly in my white-gripped fist. I hadn't paid much attention to how far I'd traveled from camp, or which way I had turned. Far off in the distance, I could see a thin trail of smoke rising from the ground. It hadn't felt like I'd gone that far. Stumbling over brush and rocks and roots, I ran frenzied toward camp. My voice hitched in my throat, though I screamed as loud as I could. It was all gibberish, nonsensical strings of help and pleas and obscenities. I wasn't sure whether I was asking for help or calling a warning, but it didn't matter. I just needed to get to camp, to my bullets and the other men. I'd just broken through the last of the brush when my anchor rolled, and I went down. I hit the frozen ground hard, wind knocking out of me all at once. Before I could get back to my feet, I felt a cold, sharp hand wind itself around my ankle. Its grip was vice-like, pulling me back with the force of twenty men. 
I scrambled for purchase in the solid dirt, only succeeding in snapping a few of my nails off. With a strangled cry, a mix of fear and pain, I was hoisted off the ground. I dangled in the air like a rag doll, staring down in horror at the thing that now had its icy, broken hands on me. My own face smiled up at me, wet, rattling breaths fogging my vision. My bulging black eyes gazed from my sunken sockets, and my grinning lips parted to speak. With now reshaped mouth, twisting back into place, my voice called into the quiet night. Help! God, help! Do you need another blanket? Uh, no, I'm fine. The void isn't cold. Or hot. Or really anything at all. It's a vacuum. <gasps> I forgot the gorp! I hate you. I know. Did you hear that? You hear what? Nothing. Must have been my imagination. Uncommon Commons is a podcast. It is written and recorded by Alex Vitale and George Plank. Our theme song was written by Charles Adam Robinson, and our logo was designed by Sam Vitale. Special thanks to our EA, Rebecca Tewksbury. You can find us on Twitter at un underscore commons, and on Instagram at uncommon underscore commons. Or email us directly at zeronullstreet at gmail.com. Stay, and remember, nothing is real.